Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Oh, such a big, big weekend in the NFL and so much to get into on every front. It's Chris Carlin and Courtney Cronin in today on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. We, of course, on ESPN 2 and on SiriusXM Channel 80. Courtney, it is unbelievable what is going on down the stretch of this NFL season. We got so much to tackle this morning. What's going on? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing outstanding, and I'm certainly doing better than the Washington football team is. That was a rough, rough night for them, and we'll get to their whole situation in just a few. But we begin with the Dallas Cowboys. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Courtney, let's start with some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And look, that was just an absolute beatdown. And I, I almost felt bad for Washington last night, considering everything they've dealt with with COVID, what they had to deal with with this past week. It almost seemed unfair, but at the same time, um, I wasn't really sure whether to look at that game as the Cowboys are really looking impressive right now or Washington is really looking bad. But I don't know how, uh, having won four in a row right now, you can't start to sense that the Cowboys are putting it together. And I think we can put the whole idea of a Dak slump aside. Yeah, and I think any question about the injury, right, that he might be dealing with something – that was lingering from the ankle injury that held held him out for a couple games. They are the scariest team in the NFL right now. I don't think there's anything in question about that, and they left nothing in question last night. I mean, Washington is a mess. You've got guys fighting each other on the sideline, throwing punches. You have all the stuff that they dealt with with COVID, their teammate getting into a car accident that left a, vi- a victim deceased over the weekend. Like there is so much extra stuff going on with this Washington football team that just spilled over into the game. Like you could tell this team was playing tight. They were playing with a lot of emotions that just did not fit what they needed to do in the game. And just the way that Dallas left zero in doubt. This wasn't just like a close win. This was a 56-14 beatdown, Chris. Like, if if you don't believe in the Dallas Cowboys right now, and I know there's going to be those of us who still have questions about what they can do offensively if they've truly bounced back to form, but man... Their defense is carrying them, and they will continue to carry them. And I am a firm believer that this Dallas defense can get them deep in the postseason. I wasn't sure there for a minute, but after watching the way that they played last night, I'm a believer. Well, Courtney, I think it's a great point. And I think that's the thing that has always – if you're a Cowboy hater, you have always hung your hat on the fact that they would do something or have a, a defensive game. Oh, This is over the years where they would not make the big play on defense or give up the big play on defense. I mean, you just think about a few years ago and Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs just connecting uh, on a massive play. I, I just I don't see it this year. I Look at what's gone on over the last four weeks. Besides last night, they have not been a dynamic offensive team whatsoever. And yeah, they lit it up, but we have to acknowledge what the other team was dealing with. And then they even had 
frustrations boil over on the sideline. We'll get to that in a bit. But, like, to me, I, I think when you listen to them, you listen to Dak Prescott, it's pretty clear that they either they never believed in the slump or it's officially over. Here's Dak last night. You tell me. I never said we were in a slump. Uh, those were your words. So um, I think it would be hard for you to say that now. Yeah, tonight tonight was great. Great performance by the offense. Great performance by the team. I mean, scoring on all three phases. Um, scoring by all the different ways that we did on offense. Um, yeah, uh, great team win. Great, great team effort. Look, to me, if the Cowboys are going to play that level of defense here moving forward, and I know that it's Washington twice, and I know that the Giants are in there, Courtney, Look, if you play that kind of defense, uh, you're gonna. And we may learn more this year with or this week with Arizona. I just think the Cowboys are thoroughly capable of doing some real damage this year. Trevon Diggs is balling. Micah Parsons might be the best player when we look back at this 2021 draft class. Like they're the total package right now. And to step back on Dak, I think that what you're seeing right now might actually be the better version of Dak than we saw in that six and one start like over his last seven games nine touchdowns six interceptions those first six 16 touchdowns four interceptions like what we saw from Dak last night is something we have not seen since before the ankle injury like he's scrambling he's picking up yards with his feet he's buying time to make plays inside the pocket and then getting outside of the pocket like that's the version of him that's been missing that explosive ability to make plays on his own outside of the pocket with his feet like that to me was really really important that that element of his game came back and i you know I'm very impressed with where he was at. Like, if you needed a welcome back moment with an exclamation point and a cherry on top, you got that from Dak Prescott last night on top of, like you said, the defense continuing to play lights out. Like, there is no better defense probably in the NFL right now because Dallas has done it consistently throughout the stretch of the season. Like, we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's like, yeah, something clicked. Their pass defense got good at at the right time and has stayed that way. Dallas's defense has been this way from the very start, like in, in times where we weren't exactly sure, you know, if that was going to be the case. I mean, like you think back to like when DeMarcus Lawrence had that broken foot in September, does that not feel like that was a completely different team in, yeah, like, three completely. years ago? Like it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. And he's had a massive, massive impact with his return. And look, a- across the board right now, they look as if they you you can always recognize it, right? You can always see that look in a team down the stretch of the year that is really starting to put it all mm-hmm. together. There are a few of them in the league right now. The Cowboys have that look of one of them that is really starting to put it together. Now we have to at least acknowledge the uh, the scuffle on the sideline uh, that happened between Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, um, where Allen it looked like tried to take a swing at pain. Now, when it comes to this kind of thing, in the heat of the moment, I don't get as caught up in it as you might think it's this horrible, horrible thing and it's terrible dissension on that team and speaks to the overall culture of it. I don't necessarily always buy that, but um, in that moment to me, it was not a good look for... Washington, and it's not something that you would necessarily expect with a Ron Rivera team. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that everybody's going to point to. Like, Ron Rivera doesn't put up with any sort of nonsense. I mean, but this even, he gave this a little bit of credence, given everything that this team has been through with the -the off-the-field stuff, with COVID, and, you know... Emotions are heightened on the sideline. I say that to everybody who looks at, you know, the team that I cover, the Minnesota Vikings. I'll remember back to 2018 when Kirk Cousins was giving Adam Thielen a route running clinic, and you see arms flying in directions like this and all of that. I don't know if you can see me on my screen right now, but it looks heightened at the moment. And, yeah, it did look like Deron Payne tried to ju- t- tried to touch Jonathan Allen's face there on the bench. They had a teammate sitting in between them. You don't touch a grown man's face. I don't care. You're asking for that smoke if you do that. So when he reacted, Jonathan Allen, the way that he did and swung, he's just lucky that punch did not land because that would have led to probably a melee on the sideline. And, yeah, emotions are heightened. Guys, like, I don't know if they ever were fully able to recover from that Tuesday performance, the defensive line, that is that they had against Philadelphia. Like, they did not look good in that game and it carried over into this game on a short week. Tensions were there. It was very palpable. You can feel that watching the t- watching it on TV. Not a good look any way you spin it, but you've got to understand what's going into this. Football men and f- do football things, and sometimes football things come it comes in the form of cussing at each other, comes in the form of fighting each other. It just happens, but not a good look all the way around. It almost uh, – I, I didn't get the – finger in the face kind of thing because it wasn't pointing directly it it looked like the kid on the bus who was trying to annoy the taunting kid him, him yeah but That's it's like exactly what's, what's the point what what's the like. point behind that like why do that to your own teammate like if you want to get in the head of your opponent the offensive lineman that you're about to you know try to run right through that's one thing but when you can tell tensions are already high on your sideline. Don't exacerbate the situation by nearly touching someone's face and putting a finger in his face. Like, what are you doing? You're asking for it. I, I mean, it almost triggered me from some, you know, history on the bus, court. And I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, touching Chris. your face. I'm touching your face. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is tr- <laughs> It, that was Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Get the $45 silver unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless. So look, the NFC playoff picture is wide open, but one team in the AFC really rounding into form and showing they may be far and above everybody else. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin, in for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN2 and on your smart speakers everywhere by saying play ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. 
But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Yeah, the end of the line, I think that came last year against the Browns in the postseason. It is. Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin in for KJ and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. And, of course, on your smart speakers, we are asking at KJ and Max on Twitter, who is the biggest threat to the Chiefs after that beatdown yesterday in the AFC? So be a part of the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here. Fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. There are two things to get into here from that game yesterday between the Chiefs and the Steelers. One is Ben, and primary, though, and that'll sit tight for a second, is that the Chiefs, having now won eight in a row, Look a far cry, Courtney, from the team that started the year three and four, and people were actively questioning whether or not they would even make the playoffs in the AFC. Yeah, isn't it funny how uh, time tends to change our opinion of things and that we know Patrick Mahomes can never be counted out? I mean, it's just crazy where we were, like you said, the beginning of the season where everything was helter-skelter up and down. The pass defense for the Chiefs looked terrible. Patrick Mahomes didn't look like his usual self. And now here we are. They lock up their sixth straight AFC West title. They look like the best team in the AFC. And Mahomes is playing at a a Mahomesian level. Like they like left nothing in doubt in this win last night over the Pittsburgh Steelers and to think that he did the Patrick Mahomes was able to win that game without his security blanket because Travis Kelsey was still on the COVID list and did not get cleared in time for the game and you have Tyreek Hill who didn't practice all week not that he needs to but my goodness think about all the things that came down to this 11th hour for the Kansas City Chiefs of not even knowing what some of their personnel was going to be that doesn't look like a team that had any doubt or any question that whoever they rolled out there yesterday, they were going to get it done. Yeah, and look, it's amazing that they can do all that, but to me, the the even the bigger development, I almost expected it with Mahomes at some point, is just how mm-hmm. good their defense is played now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really rounded into form, and defense is nowhere near the first thing that you think of when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs in any way. But that has really become more of the identity for them this year. Um, not not that they're going to shut you down completely, but that they're going to do more than enough that will uh, allow them to win games without much of a problem. I mean, 13 points a game over this stretch where they've won eight in a row, I mean – I would almost say it's hard to continue to expect that uh, when you factor in just how good that is. But I don't know that it's unfair to continue to expect that when you're talking about a team that has gotten onto such a role as they have. We said it just a few minutes ago. Rounding into form as the the greatest time in the 
season comes along, mm-hmm. or the most important time, I should say, Courtney, like, I, I can look at the AFC and say there is a true challenger right now, and I can't believe I'm saying that considering how highly I thought of the Buffalo Bills at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and it's like who is the second-best team in the AFC right now behind Kansas City? It feels like it's Buffalo. Could it potentially be the Cincinnati Bengals? I'm not personally ready to go all in on them yet, but man, it's the Chiefs, and then there's like a big, like a separating factor between anybody else who's left there. And I want to touch on that point that you made about Kansas City's defense, because remember, for whatever reason, Pittsburgh has been this second half team this season. And, you know, I, I remember it from a few weeks ago, the game that I covered where Minnesota was up 29 to zero late into the third quarter. And then they came thundering back and that game comes down to the final play. The Steelers were up 23 to zero at half, or excuse me, Kansas City was up 23 to zero at halftime. Yet, This is not a Chiefs team that allowed any sort of doubt there to let them back into the game. They forced two turnovers in the second half, and they just let the – once the air was let out of that Pittsburgh Steelers team, yeah, I know that they were able to, you know, muster up 10 points yesterday, but there was just nothing in doubt because the Chiefs' defense – has done things that we've seen from them this year that we haven't seen any uh, in, in many other years, even the year that they went to the Super Bowl. Like, they are carrying this team in times where Patrick Mahomes does, it makes it so he doesn't have to be perfect, which I, I think is really appreciated, just showing just kind of the well-rounded nature of this group, which is why when I talk about that gap, Chris, like, that's why the Chiefs are up here, and I think everyone else kind of falls in line, whether it's like the Bills, Bengals, Patriots, and then the kind of the trickle down effect from there. But man, I mean, you just look at that defense for Kansas City, and I, I honestly think that was probably one of their more impressive performances on a nationally televised game. You know, the America's Game of the Week there in the afternoon. Um, you know, just just really well done performance, keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. And, and Courtney, on the flip side, the Steelers just aren't that good. That, that's and everybody who has been unwilling to accept that this year. Got, got smacked cold... in the face with it yesterday. Yeah, they really did. They took it right across the jaw, including, it seems, Cam Hayward, as you listen to him after the game. You know, I didn't, I didn't accept We got a lot of football left to play. And, you know, I think you know, a lot will be said in these last two games. And I, I know it wasn't perfect today. I know it breaks my heart to let it, not only our, our fans down, but, you know, I let our team down to go out like that. But, man, I ain't ready to throw them in the damn town. We got a lot of football left and two games to, you know, see where we can fall. Let me take a stab in the dark here. You'll win one and you'll lose one <laughs> because that's what they've been all year. And Yep. And, they, need, they need teams to stomp on their logo more, right? Like, wouldn't that be, <laughs> wouldn't that be kind of the recipes for success for yeah. the Steelers? <laughs> uh, honestly, I mean, I, I don't expect them with Cleveland and Baltimore left to mm-hmm. win out and all of a sudden look like a much different team. And we'll get more into the quarterback through the course of the show. Look, I've been on this since the Browns playoff game last year, as atrocious as that was. It was time to move on before, and there have been those who have said that they wouldn't be where they are right now where without Ben Roethlisberger, and that might not be true, but I would argue where they are right now 
is not in the best interest of the organization in the long term. Being right stuck in the middle. Mm -hmm. I think right now you're seeing a guy that they should have moved on from, and there's probably no worse feeling in the NFL than stringing out a player just entirely too long. We're going no huddle. We're going to talk about two impressive performances in the AFC and NFC's best and why they are showing that they are going to be awfully tough to beat if they get that number one seed. Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2 in for Keith, Jay, and Max. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. When he went no huddle and they started to make plays. All the big games but light on time, let us catch you up. Definitely not fun ever playing against no huddle offense. Let's run the no huddle. Whether you huddle, whether you don't huddle, it still comes down to just the execution. Let's do it. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin. In for the fellows this morning on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Courtney, week 16 gave us the greatest Christmas Christmas gift of all two NFL games Saturday. Colts go to Arizona. They win 22-16. Cardinals, third straight loss after they started the season 7-0. They're 3-5. and in their last eight games, Jonathan Taylor rolling over 100 yards again. Again, Colts are 9-0 and in games when he's over 100. And the first game of the day, Baker Mayfield, four Oof. interceptions, while Aaron Rodgers threw three touchdowns, including the 443rd of his career to pass Brett Favre for the most in franchise history. Packers beat the Browns 24-22. After the game, Rodgers asked about his foot, which was stepped on during the game. This was the best I've felt uh, in weeks. And, you know, I did walk-through stuff this week, almost practiced on the, the Thursday, which was like a Friday. Felt amazing. Didn't get an injection before the game. You know, was feeling really good. Then kind of got rolled up there at the end of the first quarter, but kind of got past that. Then got stepped on directly on the toe, and that's when uh, the pain was pretty intense. Uh, took care of it at halftime and, and obviously felt better. But, 
you know, we're over six weeks uh, past this now, so we're hoping that uh, there wasn't a major setback tonight. It feels okay right now sitting here, but, um, you know, it was a good week uh, and, and fun to be out there and to feel a lot better with my with my toe. All right, Courtney, biggest takeaway from Saturday night. The Packers continuing to show dominance or Baker Mayfield looking absolutely awful? I want to say it's Aaron Rodgers in this stretch of the last five games where he's thrown 16 touchdowns and no interceptions. But for me, the biggest takeaway is just how bad Baker Mayfield looked. Four interceptions on that night. Three of those in the first half, Aaron Rodgers was gifted, and he turned those into touchdowns. So for me, it's Baker Mayfield and how much he has struggled here. He missed the game the previous week, uh, that Monday night football game that was rescheduled because of COVID against the Las Vegas Raiders. Like, there's just been so little to take away from Baker Mayfield to truly know if you can cement yourself to him for the future. Performances like this in primetime certainly don't help contract negotiations going forward. They're 7-8 and eight right now. Like, again, the, tight, the playoff race is so tight everywhere especially in the AFC so yeah there probably is like a tiny bit of hope for them that some Hail Mary miracle situation is going to get them there but you know they had a prime opportunity to enter back into the playoff conversation for real on Saturday and Baker Mayfield's day he said it himself he hurt his team there's no way around it no there's not and the Browns have to move on I just, I can't They have see. to, whoa, I didn't think we were going that direction. I'm going that far. 5.30 Central Time on a Monday morning. Wait a, wait, what, what's in your coffee this morning, Chris? <laughs> like, goodness, I didn't think you were going there. That's how disgusted I was. <laughs> That's how disgusted I was by Baker the other night. Oh, I'm wow. sorry. I just, okay. I don't see it. I don't see it. When you have a performance like that, there were even times where it didn't seem like there was that much pressure coming and he's still throwing uh, completely off balance balls are sailing on him i just don't see it courtney i don't see where he's the guy long term and that to me is one of those defining games if you're still searching for the answer at this point you've got your answer yeah kevin stefanski said that he's still the quarterback and i understand that just because there are two games left here and it's like why would you make a switch i mean that becomes such a such an I just eyesore. Long term, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, long term, but no, I mean, the questions are still there. You're not wrong whatsoever to, to be thinking about that. I think that they might want to give him a short term deal to try to be like, hey, injuries, COVID, things like that, you know, that, that, that wrecked the season for the Cleveland Browns that entered with Super Bowl hopes. But to move on altogether, I wasn't expecting that. No. I mean, I, I think that. Kind of like a Daniel Jones situation, which I am so excited to get into at some point during the show. But short term, you still need that window to be like, hey, give Baker Mayfield one more year to prove that he is your guy. All right. Another play, another matchup of playoff contenders. Vikings came out flat. Rams able to secure a playoff spot. 30 to 23 win in Minnesota after the loss. An insightful question from a reporter to Justin Jefferson, who questioned his team's lack of energy and the coaching staff's play calling in the red zone. Here's what he said needs to change when they get down close to the end zone. I think we should, you know, be more aggressive uh, when we get when we get down there. As soon as we get down there, uh, but. You know, I'm not the one calling the plays. Um, I'm just here to do my job and do what was told to me. Uh, but, 
You know, we, we can't get down in the red zone that many times and come out with three points. I don't know who asked it. Brilliant question. Get a great answer out of it. Elite journalism right there. Elite. Elite. Look, what does that mean for Mike Zimmer and the Vikings, Courtney? When your star player has finally had enough and he puts on his $2,000 Montclair jacket, has his airplane diamond-encrusted necklace, has both of his rings on, walks out there, gold grill in his mouth, showing, hey, that is the message that I needed to be sent to be like, I am the superstar I am not the problem here. I don't call the plays. Justin Jefferson pulled the ultimate power move post-game. In his comments, the way that he played in this game, they probably should have won. But the fact is, inside the red zone, Kirk Cousins had through eight passes. You know how many of them went to Justin Jefferson? One. Mm. That is a serious problem. We've talked about this all season long, Chris. When it's crunch time, Find your superstar. They did it against the Los Angeles Chargers. They've done it at multiple points this season. They did it against the Packers, and they won that game. I just cannot seem to figure out why in these situations, especially when they're playing from behind, go target Justin Jefferson. I mean, his stat line is not going to reflect a game that they lost. 12 targets, 8 to 8 receptions, 116 yards. But that's somebody, I mean, he put Clint Kubiak on notice with the I don't call the plays, I just go out there and execute. And if you are Mark and Ziggy Wilf, the Vikings owners, you're looking at that and saying, we cannot have a Stephon Diggs 2.0 situation here. We cannot have our star player that we're trying to build a franchise around this upset about what's going on on the field and who's making the decision decisions in games. To me... If the Vikings were not already thinking about making a change in leadership and direction that they want to go next season, comments like this only further put the nail in the coffin on this coaching staff and probably the leadership all around in in thinking about sweeping changes for next year. Yeah, you got to believe that's a a horrible, horrible sign. And I don't know that I could argue with anything that was said there. You just have to be better Mm -hmm. uh, if you're... The play call, if you're if you're Clint Kubiak, if you're Mike Zimmer, I don't know how you don't force the ball into the hands of your best player. And that's one of those moments that will ultimately lead to their downfall. Totally agree with you on that. All right. Battle for first place AFC North. Ravens forced to go to their third string quarterback in Cincinnati. Lamar Jackson, second straight game out with the ankle injury. Tyler Huntley and COVID protocol protocol. So Josh Johnson for Baltimore couldn't keep up with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. How about Burrow? 525 yards, four touchdowns, Cincinnati in command of the AFC North, 41-21 over Baltimore. Burrow's performance even left his head coach in awe. You know, there were some that were there on rhythm and on time, um, and there were some he had to make some plays with his feet. I don't know how he gets out of those situations, um, but, you know, we've – We've always kind of shaken our head as we played quarterbacks like Lamar and some of these guys over the years where it's, it's kind of the same deal, and, and now we've got that guy, you know, and that's that's a tremendous weapon to have. It has to feel good to see that kind of performance for Zach Stacy, uh, Zach Taylor, rather, uh, from Joe Burrow um, off of last year. And, yeah, he's been good this year, but that's a, a dominant performance. It's Chiefs and, Bra- uh, Chiefs and Bengals next week. In Cincinnati, by the way, you can catch that on ESPN Radio. And then, of course, uh, they have the Browns in Week 18. Are the Bengals the best team in the AFC North, Courtney? 
I think I think you can say that. And like, let's pump the brakes here just a tiny, tiny bit. The Ravens had 13 defensive players at practice last week because of COVID. They were decimated yet again. So what they were, what the Bengals were able to do against the Ravens' just depleted defense should certainly be given a round of applause. But like, take that with a grain of salt against you know a team that was just wrecked. Joe Burrow, though, in these two meetings, like think back to the first meeting where they blew him out when everybody was pretty much healthy. 941 passing yards, seven touchdowns in those two meetings. I don't know if it's too late for him. It is too late for him to enter into the MVP, into like the serious MVP mix, but we can sure as heck put him in the conversation. And I think that that's exactly what he earned in this game. Like the Bengals' offense looks really, really good right now. Are they the second best team in the AFC? I think I'm still probably going with Buffalo, but they're getting up there. And like you said, with that game coming up against Kansas City, humongous proving ground for Joe Burrow to prove that he can still carry this performance over and go against, you know, a non-depleted defense, assuming, you know, they stay healthy and don't have COVID concerns going into Week 17. But my goodness, the Bengals' offense looked really, really good, and Joey B looked even better. It, it, look, if the Ravens don't make the playoffs, and right now they're in the seventh spot in the AFC, that losing all those players to COVID and having that game yesterday is an absolute mm-hmm. killer. You're going to look back and just shake your head, and you feel for them, but unfortunately it's the circumstances that we are living in right now. And then... After they got beat up pretty good by the Patriots on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago, the Bills go into Foxborough, take control of the AFC East, 33-21. Josh Allen, 314 yards, three touchdowns, also 64 on the ground. After the game, oh boy, Bill Belichick asked only the most important question, as you would expect after a team's loss. Hi, um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers? Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. That's rough. Was he on the verge of tears there? Like, that sounded like he was trying, uh, like, might have had a frog in his throat, and he was trying to hold back tears after, you know, a really tough loss for the New England Patriots. Goodness. Well, after after the game, what was it, last week? Uh, before he apologized. The it was on Monday. I remember, yeah. like, reading the reading the, the, the transcript of when he comes out and says, you know, guys, it wasn't on you. I was really upset on, on Saturday night. And I remember I was hosting Barton Hahn that day. And I listened back to the sound to see what he said on Saturday. I was expecting him to have just, like, blown his lid and, like, cursed at, like, reporters or gotten, like, super angry. But it was usual, like, Bill Belichick cruising altitude, monotone answers that he gave after that game. And then he apologized for that. So I don't know if this this reporter is going to be getting any apologies. You know, poorly timed question. I don't. Sometimes news reporters come into these things. I'm going to guarantee that probably wasn't a sports reporter who asked that question. Sometimes news reporters get led into these things, and they think that their rules apply. And, man, just read the room. Um, Congrats to Bill Belichick, though, for not – I wouldn't expect him to lose it and just go, like, all in and be like, stupid question, why did you ask me that? But um, 
even if he had a New Year's resolution, I do not believe that he would be sharing it like he did his potato uh, his potato love. He's a potato aficionado, as we learned earlier in the year at Thanksgiving. <laughs> love uh, that answer. I got to tell you, she may have gotten more out of him than anybody else has in weeks. Just, just in saying, eh, no, not really. I mean, last week, I, I did hear even, a, I thought it was even a little bit too Belichick for Belichick at times when it seemed to one or two of the questions, it literally was a grunt in return. Now, do you think moving forward that the Patriots are now a full step behind the Bills? How do you classify this in the AFC East? Okay, so we know they don't have control of the AFC East anymore. Like that was their chance yesterday to lock it up. Um, but they're not playing consistent winning football. Like that to me is the problem here. Like the performance that they had in that Monday night game, Chris, against Buffalo a couple weeks ago, like that was a convincing win just by, I mean, the score was not very high, but just by the way that they put their foot on the gas with the run game and were able to run right through Buffalo. Now, with the way that they played yesterday against Josh Allen, this is what happens when you don't know which Josh Allen you're going to get. Like, you got MVP Josh Allen yesterday, who has been around this season. Sometimes he goes away, and then sometimes he comes back, and, and he certainly did. So I think for New England here, this is their biggest threat. Very obviously, just in terms of the AFC East and whether they end up in the driver's seat or whether they end up in a wild card spot. But um, I'm not terribly, terribly concerned. I mean, I know Mac Jones didn't play great. And yeah, he was without one of his receivers. But I always felt going into this season for the New England Patriots with a rookie quarterback, they were probably going to have to rely on their defense more heavily this season if they want to get back into the postseason and make a run. And I kind of still think that that's where my faith lies in this Patriots team. I have to tell you, with Mac Jones, as we've gotten a little bit later in the year, it hasn't been bad, but it hasn't mm-hmm. been where he was earlier in the year. And it kind of reminds me of the whole idea of a rookie quarterback. As we get this late in the year, kind of hits a little bit of a wall. Now, I'm not yeah. suggesting that he's shot, but I would suggest that I'm coming around to not maybe not trusting him as we move forward a little bit. Like, if they find themselves... Like, I don't feel like the Patriots can play from behind at all in the postseason. So... And not, if, when you can't, not when you can't put up points. No. Like, that's, and, that's the problem. Yeah, and I... And, Mac Jones, for as much as he's gotten so much credit this year for how well he's played, what he has done, I mean, let's be clear. He has not won games. He just hasn't lost them. Mm-hmm. But that's it. And when you have uh, this kind of thing happen to a rookie quarterback later in the year, they get mentally exhausted by everything they have been through. It's now a longer season, even though he was at Alabama. It's now mm-hmm. as long of a season as you've ever truly played, and it's week in, week out. You don't get a month off after the end of the after the after the SEC championship, uh, you know, in the Sugar Bowl. So I think that's a real concern. Courtney, you and I yeah. have both been massive Buffalo Bills people all year. We both picked them to beat the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. I'm not sure, even though they won yesterday, I'm not sure, and I know how they're constructed, that Josh Allen and the Bills 
can win consistently if he's throwing the football 40-plus times a game? You're asking a lot of him, and for him to show up and do that at a regular level I think is is tough because we've seen what Josh Allen can be in these sort of moments. Remember like when he and Tom Brady were like neck and neck in the MVP race, you know, yep. middle of October throughout November? He wasn't being asked to throw the ball 47 times. Like, you can do that when you're in a dogfight, and you're probably going to be in that a lot of times in the postseason. Now, 30 of 47, 314 yards, three touchdowns. If you face a defense, though, that's kind of hitting a wall, like with the New England Patriots, like that's, that's, what, that's where my concern is because they were so good in that first meeting, and they were so good throughout the – beginning portion of the season that they carried them you know back from where they were last year shaky start but you could always rely on the defense look at what's happened the last few weeks I mean against Josh Allen he throws for 314 yards three touchdowns but then the week before against the Colts they couldn't stop the run against Jonathan Taylor so it just, I mean, I can I can see Josh Allen getting past a Patriots team, like, sh- you know, should they somehow match up in the postseason because of the deficiencies that you've seen in this defense, which should be carrying them into the play into the playoffs. And I'm just kind of concerned that, like, the snag that they've hit right now might actually be what ends up being a fatal flaw for them. But as it pertains to Allen as a whole, I don't anticipate you can have multiple games where you're throwing nearly 50 times without having any sort of threat or semblance of a run game that you can lean on. That just wasn't there yesterday. Like, Josh Allen's our leading rusher, and he ran for 64 yeah. yards on 12 scrambles. Like, you got to take some of that weight off his shoulders. Especially as we get to the playoffs here. And mm-hmm. it, Look, they're 3-4 and four this year when he throws the ball more than 40 times, which would lead me to believe that they may be able to do it once or twice, but I'm not feeling great about the Bills right now with that inability to run the football when it matters the most. Up next, the Washington football team put up a fight for the first time in weeks. Still got blown out. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.